Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's the Sakir Grand Prix preview and it's a week where every piece of F1 news has happened. There's just so much going on. I'm excited. I'm excited for the race. I'm excited for all the drivers that are coming in, talking about all of that. Oh, it's great. Um, and we'll get into it with Freddie Coates and Nigel too. How are you both? Are you both as excited as me? I am absolutely flipping, buzzing. Help me. Wow. I'm so excited. You don't actually yeah. sound excited, Nigel. <laughs> no, Nigel's like Darth Vader. He's just got the same like voice to everything. But that is that is him being excited. The hype for um, Nigel will be later on in the year when Ronnie O'Sullivan is up against Lewis Hamilton for BBC Sports <laughs> Personality of the Year. Yes, that is true. And Jordan Henderson's going to rob us all, just like Ryan Giggs did to Jensen Button in two hours, and now it's still not over. And he was only three at the time. <laughs> Well, right, yes. Yeah, there's so much to talk about, but we will start, and I have to lower my voice tone a bit because we will start with the news that Lewis Hamilton tested positive for coronavirus after the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, he got a contact um, ping with someone that he'd been with at the weekend. I think he tested negative before the race, but then he woke up with symptoms the morning after and was um, diagnosed with COVID. So he will miss the Saki Grand Prix and possibly the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, I think everything, in terms of the return to racing protocols, I think all of them will have to go um, flawlessly for him to come back. Um, but I still think he will. And I think even if he has to miss one or two of the practice sessions to come back, he, you know, that'd be fine. He'd still come back and he'd still do a great job. Um, so firstly, we do wish him all the best. We hope he comes back as soon as possible. for his return, 10 days from where the test was taken on Monday is the Wednesday and he can fly on Thursday to Abu Dhabi mm. thinking about it. So it really depends on his, well, how he goes basically. I don't think he'll be there. Yeah. I don't, you don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. That's fair enough. I think to be honest, I think he could even come in on the Saturday and do, you know, probably get pole and win to be honest I wouldn't be that surprised um it's going to be so strange he's been an ever-present at the front of the grid for 12 13 years straight basically it's it's just going to feel so weird him not being at the weekend at all yeah obviously normally he's the biggest story or you know over the season he's the biggest story and yeah I, I it's going to be very very weird viewing experience I'm sure kind of by the time it gets to race day you know all of kind of you know got used to it a bit more but just kind of imagining how it's going to be yeah it, it, it's it going to be same, a weird one it was the same when Alonso didn't line up on the grids a year ago and someone who's like or Button uh, for instance a couple of years before um, these guys who have been on the grid for as much as we can remember Formula One basically and then they're not there it's weird them not being there you kind of think well how can the show go on um, but it does and new people step into the fold and that's what has happened this weekend is why we all came with this podcast excited as hell yeah I think I think for me it's weirder than Alonso because Hamilton's the been of, yeah yeah Hamilton's been out of front running team he's won races every single season mm. you know he's got pole positions every single season he has been one of the best drivers for every single season every single race yeah. and now he's not now he's not going to be there for two races yeah, it, it's going to be weird. But as 
a door closes for Hamilton to reach 100 wins by the end of the season, which um, he could well have done if he'd raced the last two races. All positions. All positions. All positions. <laughs> and he could have equaled win. the record for um, most wins in a season, in a shortened season. That would have been insane. Yeah. But he won't. But that does <laughs> open the door to George Russell stepping up from Williams, the worst car on the grid, mm. to Mercedes the best F1 car in history. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, I think <laughs> when, when the Lewis news broke, then I think everyone, everyone made the link, and I think everyone, bar a few Hulkenberg fans, wanted it to happen. Um, there was and a lot of doubt. There, yeah. No, there aren't any. Um, there <laughs> whoa, were, whoa, 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 whoa. There are Van Dorn sympathisers. <laughs> yes. Um, well, everyone's a Van Dorn sympathiser. <laughs> it didn't look like or it looked doubtful as to whether Russell would be able to race um, for Mercedes because not many people expected Williams to release him. I didn't know whether there'd be something in his contract about it, but I've not heard anything. And um, yeah, but Williams have you know released him to Mercedes to drive this weekend. Um, so, firstly, do you both agree with it? Do you think it's the right decision? Who would you have gone for? I do agree with it because it's the right thing for Mercedes. You have to get the best driver you can, quite frankly, if you're a top team. And I think George Russell, out of the options, out of the realistic options, was that driver, Stoffel Van Dorn, out of the car, or out of an F1 car for a couple of years now. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, he probably would have done a good job as well, but I think it's the right thing because Russell does deserve an opportunity and now he's got it possibly for two races hopefully for his sake so yeah it's the right decision and it's going to be very exciting to see how he goes what I will say is though I don't I don't expect him to be to beat Bottas and if he does then that is saying something that will be very special if he does yeah I am I'm basically everything Nigel said and you kind of think it is the right it is the right decision. He's got he's familiar with twenty twenty Formula One cars, twenty twenty Formula One tires. Um Bahrain most of the track in a twenty twenty Formula One car. Um COVID protocol and stuff you can ignore because they're all going to be familiar with that. But um it's it's basically he is the best option. He's a Mercedes junior driver and the only thing that made me I doubted it actually. I thought it was gonna be Van Dorn, I would said seventy five, twenty five Van Dorn. Um, this time yesterday um, on Tuesday um, because I thought because Williams have played hardball in the past um, they in 2015 they were no go for Bottas to go to Ferrari when Ferrari came <coughs> um, this year they were absolute no chance Russell you're not going to Mercedes next year we're keeping you so I kind of thought um, so Williams have a his, history of being hard on their contracts and wanting the best for them is nothing to do with Mercedes, what Williams wants. So I kind of, I thought Williams is going to block it, but they didn't. They've come to a deal. Obviously there's new management since any of those decisions were made. Um, and these guys with their first basically big interaction with Mercedes, I think want to keep them sweet um, because Mercedes is the best power unit on the grid. It's going to continue to do so, especially if an engine freeze comes in, which is being, which is massively a massive part of conversation at the start of last weekend. Um, so if that's coming in, Williams are going to want to stay with Mercedes. So they're keeping Mercedes pretty, I think, Williams with this. It's a, it's a kick in the teeth of Stoffel Van Dorn. He's gone to the majority of the races this year for when, when this does happen. 
And if you're a reserve driver, this is the, the year for you. What's the point in having a reserve driver? Well, the reserve is for the reserve, isn't it? Well, this is what what I I think the quote I heard was reserve is in an emergency situation, and I think if, if this Hamilton was on the Saturday, down on Friday, yeah. yeah, the Friday or the Saturday, if Hamilton had come down, then I think they would have gone for Van Dorn. But Nico Hulkenberg is not the reserve driver for Racing Point, and he was called up very late. But he's driven with Racing Point and as a team. Well, but he's not a reserve yeah. driver. But he is now. Well, Racing Point don't have a reserve wasn't driver. At the they, time. They, wasn't they at the time. They, that was Racing stupid Point. from Racing Point. That's a different thing. Racing Point <laughs> was stupid enough to not have a reserve driver and for their dri- yeah. them to be the think- most affected COVID team of the year. That's Racing Point's fault. McLaren it- went to the stage of when Van Dorn was in Berlin of contracting Paul DeResta for one race. So okay. other, pe- other teams have made efforts with it. Um, and it's just Racing Point were a bit slack, to be honest. Yeah, so Racing Point didn't have a reserve driver for the British, or the, yeah, it was the British yeah, Grand Prix. British then Grand Prix. they ha- then Van Dorn was away. So the deal they had with Mercedes was that they could use Mercedes reserve drivers as their own if the need arose, but Van Dorn wasn't available and Gutierrez inexplicably didn't have a super license anymore. Um, and then when it came to the German Grand Prix, um, you know, or the Eiffel Grand Prix, um, you know, they clearly knew that Hulkenberg was a class act and was able to come in the car and do a job for them. Um, so I think that's the reasoning there. Um, and I do think, I think if I was Mercedes and they were still in a title fight, then I kind of, well, yeah, if they were still in a title fight, I think I would have gone for Hulkenberg just because I'd have more faith in him just being able to come in and do a solid job I think Russell is a class act and I think he will go well this weekend but for me I think that's what I would have what I would have done personally yeah really if there's something on the line for it yeah but I think given the situation I think it's a dream scenario for Mercedes notwithstanding the fact that has COVID. out of Russell and Hulkenberg you think Hulkenberg would have done a better job I think it's yeah, I, don't, I think there's a way of saying Hulkenberg would have been more measured in his performance. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that's what I'm kind of saying. Russell I think would be in the think... position of I need to impress, impress, impress. This is my chance, my only chance. Hulkenberg, no. I think, has come to the point in, in his mind where he's um, missed his chance. Well, uh, Russell's not going to do anything I think Hulkenberg's just a bit of a safer, yeah, safer pick. You know, I, I think solid fifth place. Yeah, I think, you know, out of the two of them on a given weekend, I think Russell would have the highest ceiling. Why can't um, Russell get a solid fifth or better? I, I, that's, exactly. that's not what I'm saying. Not, not I, that, just, but... I think Russell has the highest ceiling for what he can get, but I think I he also has about the lower same floor. in performance, really. I think, I think he's Russell got, will be best. Also, Gee, that's I, cool. Yeah, I hope he is. I, I hope he is too. I just think if, if, the, if you needed to get meaningful points, I think... Hulkenberg would be a bit of a safer option for that um, than Russell but it's not it's a dream scenario for Mercedes as I said notwithstanding the fact that their star driver has COVID but you know they get a chance to test Russell out yeah. over a race weekend see how he you know acts in the team interacts with all the team members and yeah. you know I, I'm looking forward to what he can do Nigel you touched on it earlier but Freddie what do you think is a realistic expectation for Russell over the weekend because there's been a lot of people 
wanting him to kind of go toe-to-toe with Bottas. Nigel is symboling third at me. And I'm kind of, that's where I was thinking really as well. It really depends on, because like we haven't got a reliable album in that, in the Red Bull. Um, it really depends. This is such a unique track for it to be on. So I think the Mercedes is going to be good in this track, but I think the gaps of someone like Racing Point is going to be really interesting as well. Um, so I think it comes into really the, the race a lot more than you'd think. We do have, obviously, um, three uh, practice sessions. Hulkenberg came in and was really fast in a car without anything, with no practice, uh, Eiffel Grand Prix. Um, and after three practice sessions at the first Silverstone, if we take it as something similar to that, maybe a little bit of a step ahead for Russell because of his recent, recent performances in the car, in a car even, um, and being race fit, um, then Russell could probably get to quite decent pace quite early on. Um, I think the only way he'd be a solid, definite, I really think he could win this race, every race kind of form would be after he's been in that car six races and he's not going to have done that. So um, it, it's going to realistically be, I think, oh, I think he could qualify in the front row. Um, I think he can do something special. I've, yeah. I've got, it's a new track. Yes, some of the corners are the same, but because it's a new track, it levels the playing field. Yeah, that's a good uh, So, good so I think that is a big factor. The margins will be tight, and if his qualifying form is anything to go by, he can pull a lap out of the bag. The races where I'm not sure how he will go, but mm. because it's such a weird track, and this is going to be a slipstream fest, hopefully, for us, <laughs> I think I think he's got a really, a really good chance. Uh so I, I don't expect it, but I think he can do something special this weekend. I, I would, yeah. I, I, oh, it'd be amazing if he did. It'd be just, you can just picture just sheer joy for everybody if Russell does well. Yeah, I think, I think for me, if he's as close to Bottas as Bottas has been to Hamilton over the season, that would be a fantastic achievement. Wow, to yeah. Be honest. In qualifying, it'd be monster. Well, over the weekend, you know, if, if he can do that, that would be a fantastic achievement. I don't really think we should be looking for him to beat Bottas because it's just not a comparison we mm. can make. Um, and interestingly for this weekend, uh, it's um, basically shifted three hours later. Yeah. Because it's a night, full-on night race now, not the messing around with twilight that they did on the normal Bahrain Grand Prix. This is full-on night race, so the practice sessions are later. So the practice sessions are going to be more representative anyway. So it's not like in an ordinary Bahrain Grand Prix where two practice sessions are just done in the desert air where you, there's not really much realistic running. Um, only one good practice session feasibly for a normal Bahrain Grand Prix. Whereas the practice one and practice three are going to be much more key for this Grand Prix so he's going to have more time to get into the car representative running yeah I'd, I'm trying to think if there's been a driver to score his first points as a win I don't know if there has but if that a happened, new team who run the first race no no just their first points ever in F1 there is winning the there, race there is but I can't remember who it is there is there definitely is um well, I will look into that maybe in the break between Zoom calls. Who knows? Um, but just uh, finally on this topic, in a word, who has more to gain uh, from this or more to lose? Let's go. Who has more to lose from uh, well, this weekend, well, Bottas or Russell? Well, Bottas clearly has more to lose because he should beat Russell. Anything else is 
a disappointment, quite frankly. And, and even if Russell has a bad weekend, he, he can just... He can always blame or excuse that, you know, he needs to get used to the car. Like Freddie said, it might take, normally it would take five or six races perhaps to get up to speed. Whereas Bottas doesn't have that excuse, I guess. So, yeah, Bottas definitely has the most to lose. That's an interesting interpretation of in a word. Um, Freddie, in a word, who has the most to lose from this weekend? In a name, or do I need to come up with like a name? Okay. Um... I was ashamed. I was going to come up with a synonym. Um, Bottas, everything <coughs> Nigel said. I Although Russell. Russell could lose everything, Bottas has I got think, a contract oh. for next year I, with I Mercedes, and he can bring how, it. How well, Russell? I was about to explain. Um, Bottas can. Bottas has got a contract next oh. year with Mercedes, and um, he can bring back good performance then in a championship-winning car. Russell, yes, has a, a, a contract with Williams, but if he gets his one chance in a big team and fluffs it massively, is way off the pace, way, way off the pace, and is basically is an idiot, then he can, he can lose any chance with that team in the future. We know I, he's I, not. I agree. We know he's I, not that. I, I, I think Russell, I think, you know, if he goes in and for whatever reason he doesn't perform, I'm not I'm saying he will. looking at us like we're the stupidest people in the world. Yeah. And we're not, we're not saying he will do this. I think we've both got faith in him going in and doing a good performance. But it's not I like think I'm saying he could go in with a, I don't know, a, a shotgun and like mess everything up because anyone could do that and ruin their career. Um, yeah, like, you know, we're like not saying this Mazepin. will happen. But, um, you know, I just think looking at the two of them, their position in their careers and the fact that up, in the, up until this point, everything about Russell has been in isolation. We've not been able to compare him to anyone else. but Everything in isolation has, you know, meant that he's been in the conversation from Mercedes Drive this year. So I think, you know, if he goes in and is off the pace, you know, that will really stall his career. And everyone who's been pushing for him to be put in ahead of Bottas this year, you know, that's that's really going to set them back. Um, you can't but, judge it on one race. You cannot judge it on one race weekend at all. But people so if will. he has a bad people weekend, do. then he's... Yeah, people yeah, will. They should. People still the, judge well, Giovinazzi on his weekend people, in China 2017. If he's half a second off the pace, or whatever, or, or however far off you think bad is bad, you can't well, judge it on one race yeah, at I all. Yeah, d- I don't think half a second off the pace is bad. I think if he does it is that, on this track, on, if it's on Bahrain yeah, main track, this yeah. track's going to be really but, close to gaps. Yeah, um, but another thing Nigel, Nigel has bemoaned already in the podcast is... Nigel. <laughs> Um, Bigel. Having um, reserve drivers, uh, reserve drivers that they're not being used. One team is using their reserve driver to plug a gap. Well, Hass aren't replacing. Uh, no, they're using their. Um, they're they, not re- two teams are using their reserve drivers. Don't interrupt me, Freddie, then. <laughs> uh, this is re- becoming a using, text podcast. Using a reserve driver to replace Russell. Oh, no, it's all boarding up to the quiz. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> to replace Russell. Jack Aitken is coming in. Finally got it out. For Williams. Freddie, what can we expect? Year of the ultimate send. This is Jack Aitken's only Grand Prix ever. Yeah. Unfortunately. But. I don't know. I'm happy for him because he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a lovely chap. And I really hope he goes well because he had one practice session this year at Styrian Grand Prix, I want to say. And yeah. it was all right. It was good. Um, one practice session. He was half, 
he was seventeenth. He was uh, four, no, three, three tenths and a bit behind Grosjean. He was head of Kubica, and then Latifi didn't get any proper running in. So That's he was just head of Kubica. Head of Kubica, I guess, is all right because Kubica. Yeah, it's pretty good. Kubica's been on like par with the pace. Of, Kubica's been on par with the pace of those Alfa Romeo drivers all year. So that's not bad, I think, actually, really. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does a, a acceptable job. Yeah. Uh, Nigel looks doubtful about that. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, if Williams wanted to score points, he should have chosen Hulkenberg. If Williams wanted to score points, they should have blocked his Yeah, but if... Mm. But we have to get some compensation for that. Right, Lewis Russell, what's the next best option? Hulkenberg. I would, Jack Aitken yeah. would not be on my radar at all. So try and Interestingly for Williams and Jack Aitken, it's Jack Aitken wasn't hired to bring money. He was hired by the, into the Williams Junior Academy for talent alone, and they will fund your career. So he's there. They believe he's there on talent, Williams. He was hired on talent. Not on any money, which well, is what we'll get onto with Emerson Fittipaldi's grandson. Um, if they think that that's far, but I disagree with how good he is. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think. But are I, you hopeful of he'll do well? Am I hopeful? Do you want him to do well? Do I, I want everyone to do well. Well, I can think <laughs> Apart of from about me in the quiz against you. <laughs> I can think of about five drivers. That's not the case for. Um, but no, I. Alexander Albon for the win. I'd agree with Nigel. I think Hulkenberg would be the standout driver to me. Or I thought Van Dorn might go in. I thought Mercedes I did might think Van, Van Dorn to Williams um, if they Halfway got Halfway through when I read the headline, I was like, hmm, oh, that was it. That's the <laughs> only point where I thought Van Dorn might go in, but it's out the comma of the Autosport notification. Um, so, yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I everyone follow Autosport. They're a... Um, <laughs> Ailing <laughs> Autosport Academy, Freddie Coach. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to plug yeah. it. Um, Do have to oh, I don't have anything. Of Even though it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> it bit, and I killed it off. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I. I don't really know what opportunity there is for him to do well. To be honest, you know, he's going into one of the worst cars on the grid. If not we still worst. don't know how to gauge Latifi, do we? Because Russell's outqualified every <clears> driver, so we don't really have a Latif- gauge easily on Latifi. Yeah. Which but is Latifi, the issue for Aitken. If he outqualifies, if he outqualifies Latifi, then he's a I good think, driver. I think if he outqualifies Latifi, he's done an amazing job. That yeah, mad. but yeah, but you know, the I think that would raise serious questions about Latifi, really, <laughs> even more than it would so if Russell outqualifies Bottas. Or Bottas, but um, but I think it's kind of you know, it's a, it's a very difficult position because it's not a good team. He's not. I mean, he's had one practice session and, you know, I don't know how much work he's kind of done behind the scenes in the simulator and all of that. And, you know, Latifi, has been in the seat for a whole season. He beat mm. Aitken in um, F2 last year and Aitken's not had a good F2 year. He's been not. possibly the most disappointing driver on the grid. I don't know um, how much we can put that down to Campos being quite a bad team yeah. these past few years in F2. I think they had a yeah. really... Like Dorian Boccolacci, he had, he had a decent teammate in Campos last year. This year, he's not so much. Gullam Samaya is not amazing, but he had Boccolacci and I think Boshong for a bit last year. He had some mm. decent drivers alongside him who are capable in a Formula 2 car. 
who weren't able to get anywhere. So I think he had a, a mega year in his second season F2. I think realistically this year, if he were in a dams or something like that, he would be in a much better position. Mm. I think the Campos is holding him back, but you're right. Yeah. He hasn't gone to the heights that he could have done in that car. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think for him, it's just an opportunity. I think, you know, he's just got to enjoy yeah. being there because as you said, he's highly likely to ever get the chance again. And he's not going to be an F2 next year. He's basically yeah. becoming a jobbing driver, maybe for WEC team. Maybe if he if he really can, he can probably pull a few strings to try and get a mm. Formula E young driver test midway in like February or March. But that's that's Jack Aitken's future, really. Mm. And, you know, it's, there's no pressure on him at all because, you know, and he could score a point. If there's a crazy race, you know, he can he can score points. You know, mm. it, it, it'll be interesting to to watch him go. And the other driver coming in is Pietro Fittipaldi, who I don't know whether Freddie just couldn't remember his first name earlier or just wanted to plug the fact that he's Emerson Fittipaldi Cranston. I nearly called him Emerson. You're right. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, or Enzo, yeah. whatever. Uh, or Christian uh, Fittipaldi or Max Pappas. He's not raced since uh, February in F3 Asia. He's, yeah, it, it's a difficult, it's an even more difficult task for him and coming in against Kevin Magnussen, who we know is a quality driver. Um, but firstly, who, who has got the better chance at points, Pietro or Jack? Jack. Uh, yeah, I think Freddie's right on that one, Mercedes engine. Well, uh, yeah, I think they both might get mm-hmm. up to speed quicker than, than you think, though, because it sh- it's such a short track and there's hardly any corners. And it'll be a lot yeah. easier compared to other tracks, I think. Williams is 12th and 14th in the race, just gone. Mm. So yeah. it's not a bad... Uh, Latifi, 14th. Good. If, if there's so, a track on the calendar which you want to step into as a brand new driver, yeah. I'd say it's this one. Yeah, I'd, that's a good, I'd, I'd agree Because of the lack of corners. Even if, the, yeah. even if everyone knows Silverstone or Spain or whatever, I'd say it's this because of the level, yeah. level playing field and the lack of corners. Yeah, I'd agree. And it's another... Um, Brazilian uh, relation of a Brazilian champion who's in F1 and we haven't had enough of those Um, so yeah I think it'll be again not much expectation if any on him so again you know it's just kind of go out and see what he can do he's not though been announced as the uh, official driver for 2021 at Haas because that has gone to Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher to some excitement and some derision, um, whereabouts on that spectrum do both of you sit? I think we've made our points clear quite a lot on our disagreement in the direction for Haas that this will instigate. Um, in that the direction for Haas clearly is we're running out of money, we need money, we're running out of money, help us, we need money. Um, and we were, we're a bit, Nigel and I are, have both said we think they need a safe pair of hands. And two rookies is not a safe pair of hands. We think Perez should have definitely been picked up by um, Haas in September, basically. And I think Mazepin has done a good job in F2 this year. Schumacher has as well. Um, they're not the fastest drivers in the series, but they're, some, they're good racers. Um, and, well, Schumacher's good at start. And Mazepin... Mazepin goes for an overtake. Aggressive. He's aggressive, but he can put, he's, he's learned to pull it off this year pretty well, actually, I think, Mazepin, in his racing. 
Um, sometimes he can shut the door a bit too much, and he is, you know, he's he's an impetuous guy. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of conversation about Mazepin's character and how he's most remembered for being a prat and punching Kalamala in the face and miss getting and missing a race in F3, getting banned from that and all of that, and basically just being an idiot. And at least we don't have that with Mick Schumacher. I think it's going to be a shame to have another Uber pay driver on the grid, but they've, got, they've announced it when they've got the first and third place driver in F2 in their team. And any other year, we'd probably say, why aren't they hiring the first and third place driver in F2? So there is also <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with Freddie. They should have kept one of Magnussen and Grosjean and the probably too expensive alongside. Yeah, that is the, the this move is to essentially save the team, quite frankly. I think without these two names, I think the house would have been in big trouble, which is why they've got them on board. But from a racing point of view, I think this will be the weakest lineup from twenty twenty one that uh, well obviously twenty twenty one is next year. Everyone knows that. But yeah it will be the weakest lineup. And F1, I think, uh, and I don't really expect them to do too well, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's why I find it so difficult to kind of criticise Haas for this, is the, the financial aspect that you mentioned, Nigel. I just, you know, if if they retain Grosjean and Magnussen, they might not be on the grid next season or for the whole of next season. So, you know, it, it's not an ideal situation. I think Perez is kind of the obvious antidote to that because he's one of the best drivers in the field and he brings a lot of money with him um and i don't know why you know it's looking more unlikely that he won't go to red bull and what i, I heard about paris to red bull today is that apparently there's some sponsorship contradiction with the right sponsors that perez holds is that it's like a massive i think i want to say telecoms company and um Telcel, Telmex. Yeah, Telcel, Telmex as well. And they, I think, are a big rival of AT&T, who um, right. sponsor Red Bull. Um, so, yeah, that that is um, mm. never... You can't really use the sponsorship argument then for Perez at Red Bull when it would contradict the sponsors, um, yeah. unfortunately. But, but that doesn't come but, into Haas, does it? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know so, what Peak do, but I know Jack well, and Jones but, don't sell phones. But, you know, I think... Rocket kind of as Ooh. you know because pre- previously you know it was it felt like why would he go to Haas when there's a rebel opportunity but it feels to that me anyway and I think that what what I've heard from you know pundits who are actually at the paddock are kind of saying is that you know they are rebel are kind of leaning more towards Albon despite what we all think of this yeah um, um, I got so, an email yesterday from Red Bull saying oh do you want to come to this event in December with Albon at it like Okay, and he's just been made a Wings for Life ambassador, so he's going to stay. They've all but confirmed him. I thought you should have got an email from Red Bull to, to, drive, yes. to drive the car for next year. <laughs> They're really clutching at straws now. Do a now. better job. If they're asking me, then they'll probably be fine to confirm Albon. Albon. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, back to the kind of original point, is it felt like Perez was holding out for Red Bull, but now that's kind of not the case. I just don't know why they wouldn't go Perez. But outside of that, I, I think for keeping the team on the grid, this is unfortunately kind of the only thing that they can do. They're stuck in quite a bad situation. Yeah. And, you know, it was quite interesting to hear um, the F1 YouTube channels 
reaction to this because Lawrence Barreto was, you know, kind of being quite positive. And I think Will Buxton, it was the most negative I've heard him be about in a kind of F1 driver announcement news. Since um, he left NBC. Yeah, yeah, kind of once okay. he's been actually involved in F1. Yeah. You know, the kind of ambassador, I guess, for F1. He was very negative about it. Um, yeah. I, That's I, interesting. I think it's it's they're just in a really difficult situation, and you know I think we'd all like to see you know say Hulkenberg and Perez um, get the seat, or you know something along those lines, or Ilock come in, or you know we'd like to see something like that. But I, think, just, I don't see I don't why I, I don't see why having Ilock in there would be any better than what they've got with these. That's two correct, drivers, to be fair. Um, mm. I think they can offer a similar amount to Ilock. I think it's just that they can only offer yeah. what they can. Um, it is. I think there is hope that it's a short-term issue, though. Because Aston mm. have fallen off the boil as a team in well, the spending craze of this year. Um, next year, there's budget caps, and the budget caps get lower and lower as it goes. So it's a short-term problem, hopefully, for Haas. Um, it's a multi-year deal for both drivers, though, so it looks like they're going to mm. stay for at least two years, at least. But in the future, yeah. after those two years, there is potential that they won't have to be... I mean, who knows? There might be revelations, but, um, and they probably mm. could grow into pretty decent drivers. Um, mm. I wouldn't be surprised what, one, if they do, in a way that thing, Perez and Hulkenberg have as well. So, um, and the the other thing for me is it's not, you know, Haas aren't kind of giving away I don't know Ricardo and Leclerc or you know Perez and Russell as a driver combination. It's not, you know, yes, Grosjean and Magnussen are solid drivers, but I don't think you know. They've it's not like wowed the this longest season. partnership in Formula One history. But they've teammates. not wowed this season. You know, no. it's not. I, I feel like there's not too much to gain kind of on track. They've been a really weird them. driver partnership over the past few years. Like, and I've always to, kind of thought Grosjean is a fast driver, a bit inconsistent, but I thought he would always have Magnussen in, the, in, the, in his back pocket. And but I think it's in 2017, but then Magnussen came in and bashed him ever since. So I'm really confused by it. <laughs> I think what I was, so I was gonna. No, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna finish that by saying I don't think, kind of, what they bring in their performance on track would outweigh what a big bucks move um, with Mazepin and Schumacher to an extent will bring in yeah. terms of the development potential. And yeah. you know, it's as you said, there's a budget cap coming in, and I've heard Gunter Steiner saying, you know, once the budget cap comes in, there's going to be engineers who are cut loose or you know kind of looking for new positions to further their careers because they're not able to within the team they are in so it's going to be a buyer's market and so, open source parts yeah so i think for for Haas, there is optimism but I, I think they'll have a difficult next season because it's so difficult to develop with two rookies and you know there's no kind of reference point in the field so yeah it, it's it's not an ideal situation, but to be honest, I think it's the best they could have done. Um, yeah. And it's the race this weekend as well. Let's not forget huh. that. We have talked about it already, but we'll get on to the race itself. I am. Um, I think it's the most excited I've been for any of the new tracks this year. Um, kind of, yeah, it's just, I don't know whether it's kind of because of everything else, but even last week, I was still very excited for it. Um, it's just going to be crazy. I, yeah, it's, it's the it's most great. confident what? I am of a race from one of the new tracks. Yeah. Um, maybe Nürburgring aside, I thought Nürburgring would be pretty good as well. But going into Mugello and Imola, I was like, mm, yeah, that'd be cool tack to be on. It'd be cool qualifying. 
but um, with that voice. Um, but with this one, I was actually kind of like, I, last week I was like, what's the point of this middle section? I don't like it. Let's just cut the corner. And I was just looking at the whole track. And when I've done it on the game, I've been like, this is boring. I want to go left here and just go straight. Because I'm really excited for this different track. And it might be awful. <laughs> but I'm really excited for it just because it's different. Mm. We all hate change, but we love change. <laughs> it is something different. And it's going to be a unique challenge just because of the shortness of it. But I'd prepare yourselves for qualifying because it will be mad with the traffic. <laughs> The high speed. I mean, I mean, people thought Monza would be bad. This will be twice as bad. I guess. I, 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 I fear an accident. I really do. I, I hope. That's, that's you know, I hope it's all safe and that and the drivers are sensible. Uh, and you know, after after the race and the race broadcast, we might end up talking about solutions to stop drivers going so slow but I think it's going to be a big problem this weekend and fingers crossed uh, everyone gets qualified done okay because it, yeah I think it could be a big problem There are yeah. you are going to have teams messing around with giving each other the slipstream I think yeah. it's going to be a qualifying mm. session which is going to be weird for a dry qualifying session where there's cars on track all the time mm. Yeah. I think it'll it'll be interesting to see how Mercedes play it because at Monza they just kind of went out and did their own thing. They didn't get bogged down at all with playing around, you know, getting the slipstream off of the cars or whatever. They just went out, got clearer, and did their own thing. Um, obviously, it's not the same situation this time. So I'll be interested to follow that. And yeah, you know, we could see quite a few upsets. I don't, I don't know what is an upset now because kind of <laughs> after Mercedes and after Mercedes and Verstappen and. You know, normally that's with Hamilton. So you know, after after Bottas, Hamilton, and Verstappen, it's kind of it's not felt like there's any more safe bets to get through to you know Q3, which is pretty good. Mm. Mm. You, I um, mean, I don't just think got Verstappen's some... a safe bet, if I'm honest. Actually, I do. Well, for, and, right. yeah, Verstappen actually. I don't think Alvin's a safe bet at all. I know well, he qualified fourth. He never is. But I genuinely <laughs> think the Rebel is going to be struggling this week. Mm, I mean, you just got to do the maths because it's expected to be a 52, 53 second lap. So it's got 50 seconds, 20 Eight, cars on the track. If everyone's two, lap race. Yeah, if everyone's two, two to three seconds apart, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And everyone's going at different speeds as well. So we'll be on hot laps, we'll be on slowdown laps. Mm -hmm. And especially if, if you need to do two hot laps or whatever to get the tyres into the window, I think it's just going to be crazy. And they're going to need to go very slow to get the tyres into the window because... Mm the majority of it being straight means that the tyres are going to be freezing. Yeah. They're not going to be able to get any energy into those tyres. Yes, it's a hot, abrasive track surface, but it's at night, it's going to be colder. It's 25-odd degrees um, around qualifying time, 24. Mm. Track yeah. temperature, not got any sun on it, so similar to the air temperature. Um, so it's going to be hard to get heat into the tyres on a cool-down lap or out-lap even. So, yeah, you're right, Nigel. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm... A touch more apprehensive than I than I was. Freddie Coates, our weather correspondent in Manama. Um, so yeah, who who do you think will benefit? Because we thought Renault were going to go very well at Monza, and they yeah. didn't. Um, well, last I think week. McLaren, the Renault power unit does look to be pretty good. Um, so McLaren could be another one who were up there, I think, and they did well at Monza too. Not I mean, the recent race. form of these teams has been all over the place. Like, look at qualifying just gone. Um, 
Norris was ninth behind both Renaults, but um, Sainz would have probably been in a similar position um, if he didn't have his brake problems. Both of them came through and flattened the Renaults in the race. So it's going to be entirely different qualifying pace to race pace, I think, for these guys. It's, I think the Renault, I think looking back, probably worked well in the cold. Um, McLaren seems to be doing very nicely in the heat. Um, racing point, obviously, good, very good. Um, should extend their lead, I'd say, actually, racing point on McLaren. I think Renault will be behind both of them. I, I, think, I think Sergio Perez can win the race this weekend. Yeah, I, I do. think so. I think he's got a good chance. Um, that'd be incredible. So, who yeah, do you want to win more, Russell or Perez? Russell. Perez. Thank you. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Freddie, who do you want to win? Pietro Fittipaldi. Because <laughs> he's a capable no, I, guy. So, yeah. But. If it's going to be Perez. Not because he's a capable guy. But out, <laughs> out of the two of them, that there was the question you gave to us originally. Who do you want to if win? If it's going to be Perez's last two races, you've got to say Perez. The Russell's going to have lots of chances, mm. you would think. That is true, actually. But it, I think because everyone's going to say Russell makes me want to say Perez. I feel like such a star is born moment, I think. Yeah, it is. If, if Russell wins. You can't wins, make it, like, literally. Like, if we, told if, you if, be if we had said two born. days ago, Russell's going to win the next race, everyone would have laughed us out of the room and hit us. Whereas now, we all, we all want this a lot. I think I want, I just want both of them to win. I want them all to win. I want Jovan to win. I think it was like win. a thousand to I one want, on. I want to win. Oh, actually, yeah. I want Norris to win. Why can't they all do it? Before Freddie goes through the entire F1 grid and potential F2 drivers all step in, um, which <laughs> new which new driver do you think will impress the most? Kind Aiken. of from, I guess, against expectations. Oh. Well, Aiken. yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Jatekin Racer. 50-50 choice, isn't it? So, yeah. Is it? Well, I think people are not as excited about... Well, there's not as much hype around Pietro. Um, there's no hype around Pietro. And I think he could do satisfactory in the same way that Aitken could, to be fair. Um, I think Russell has... Uh, sorry, eight, uh, I think Fittipaldi has kind of the most to gain in terms of just there is no expectation for him at all. He's the I think most half, to gain of momentum half, for a career, doesn't he? I think uh, three quarters of the F1 com fan community just won't have heard of him before he came in um, here, and you know I just. But, I, think but I don't think he will. Formula One car experience, which I think, and uh, more, a lot of experience. Well, they both had experience with their respective teams, but Fittipaldi's been knocking around the doors at Haas for a good three yeah. years or so now. Um, so I think, um, I mean, they both of them pop up in the paddock all all the time. Um, so I, I think, think a casual fan. I don't think. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think um, for, um, for their um, capability in the car um, and with the team, I mean, they're they're going to be good. They're not going to be nineteenth and twentieth. That's where they're going to be. Yeah, it's going to be nineteenth. I'd agree. Probably eight because we're what not, we said about not, the Williams. Not Russell. Well, um, <laughs> imagine speaking speaking of which, where will Russell finish? And I think he will impress the most. Actually, let's go for that. Where will Russell finish? Third. Yeah, second. Who's going to win then, Freddie? Because you yeah. said second. I said you just going to win. I think I, I think I'll go second. And yeah, um, my next choice was uh, my next question was going to be what will 
the podium be? So who's going to win first of all? Nigel, who's going to win? Bottas or Verstappen uh, or Perez? Perez, Verstappen, Russell. Bottas, Russell, Stroll. Stroll. That's an interesting one. Stroll. Yeah, it is. I'm interested. I don't, I don't feel... I don't feel like I can back Verstappen to be off the podium, though. But then... But can you front it? I think Verstappen's got to be on the podium. Does that mean a win? Because I think, I think What Perez do you think about Bottas? Do you well. just have a feeling about Bottas not achieving? Do you think Bottas will get another puncture? His third in Bahrain? No, no, that's ridiculous. No, uh, so... Bottas no, Bottas wins. should walk it. Really. Yeah. Bottas wins. What am I thinking? Russell second... <laughs> Stroll, guys. Verstappen third. Verstappen third. Sainz fourth. That's a good. That's a good shout. That's a very good shout. Fifth. Yeah. I, I think that's a big McLaren racing point tussle. I don't know why I said Stroll third, but I, I don't know why I didn't say Bottas for the win. We <laughs> have shot ourselves in all of our toes and the rest of the ankles and the all, all of the feet, all thirty I, of your toes. I haven't. I'm, I'm feeling great about. <laughs> I'm feeling great about my predictions. Um, so, yeah, and will any of these drivers, will all of these drivers, I mean, with Russell and Aitken, it's kind of linked. Um, do you think it will have returned to status quo at Abu Dhabi? I mean, I guess Grosjean's a bit of a different case. I think, I think we might find Mick Schumacher will be in. Yeah, I was thinking it's that. That's, seat, it, I think. that's interesting. I think we'll get Nicky to Mazepin in it. Ooh. For Abu Dhabi, um, he was well, one, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, well, it'd be one of them too. Yeah, I think one of so, those. Two. So we say, are we all saying Fittipaldi out then? Yeah, good, yeah. So he's already there this weekend because they're doing their F two. Yeah, I mean yeah. Grosjean might be back in. The reason oh, they've yeah. been able to pull Aitken, that's a. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Looking at him sat in the paddock today with such bandaged uh, um hands, I think bless him. I, I don't think he might will quite be given the all clear, um, right? And I think the, re- the only reason Aitken's pulled out of F, been pulled out of F two, is because he's there as a Williams driver, whereas obviously Mazepin and Schumacher have only just been signed technically by Haas, so they can't. They're already mm. contracted to Premier and um, High Tech. Yeah, I, I think Hamilton will be back, and I think Russell I think will go back to Williams. Yeah, and I think Aitken will uh, be never be in an F one paddock. As a kind of racer again, unfortunately. Um, but you did. No, you did touch on him uh, <laughs> there that Grosjean is out of hospital, which is absolutely fantastic news. Fantastic news. Not, not what a lot of us expected. Not what many people expected. Kind of, you know, even when we saw him come out of the crash, there were rumours about broken bones. Um, but he's not. He's suffered burns on his hands. Um, but the, the fireproof suit did a fantastic job of protecting the rest of his body. Um, so, yeah, it, it's great to see him. And I do hope that we get to see him in Abu Dhabi. I genuinely do. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think if he is fit to race, then Haas should race him. And I hope they do. Um, so, yeah, and kind of linked to that is something that Ricardo said um, after the crash. He criticised Formula One management for the amount of replays that they showed of the crash on live television. What are your both your thoughts on that? 
Um, I think, yeah, Ricardo's point, it was a very emotive one. I think it, you can sympathise with it, um, yeah. but you can really understand the arguments made for showing the footage. Ricardo, what he's saying is you, you can't show this on World Feed. There are big screens up, there's screens in all the garages. So the drivers out of the car seeing it, seeing all of this, I mean, yeah, they choose not to work. They chose most of them not to watch it. But um, watching that and then getting back in the car is a hard thing to do. And like that's why racing drivers are different breeds. That's why they're arrogant people who will put their, the love of their families on the line for getting in a car. And I understand that that's a really hard thing to do. And it's so much easier to have it in the back of your mind without seeing it. But you can't ignore that these things happen. Um, and Formula One, I think it was Toto Wolf and Good to Steiner made these points. Formula One is able to control the narrative of the footage of the crash. If they showed, only show what they showed in lap one, didn't show anything, um, everyone would skyrocket about what's happened. Yeah, if you know Grodin's okay, that's fine. But if people don't have access to that information, then the rumor mill drives and drives and drives. Fake news media and culture is massive at the moment. Um, it's only going to get more so. Um, it's not a phrase we've heard much anymore because people just are kind of taking it as read that fake news exists. And it does. And that will develop and develop and develop. So Formula One needs to have a, uh, a handle massively on what goes out on what imagery is shown from this accident um and they'll, they'll all of this will be reviewed before it's replayed it has to be tasteful in their eyes um and then they won't have conspiracy theories going crazy and i think that makes sense they show so they showed it a lot but i they think the argument is does does viewers joining and leaving the channel especially you know you see it flies it, Flings up on social media there's been a big accident everyone will turn on the f1 channel wherever you are in the world and then people will want to see what's happened so if you only show it a few times at the beginning and the people joining after that they won't have seen what's happened so that's why from a broadcaster's point of view they showed it lots of times because of the because of the, of the new uh, audience that, that's joining and leaving all, all, all the time so i've I understand what Ricardo is saying, but I, I don't think you can just show it a few times. You, ha you have to keep showing it because of what I've just said, yeah. The thing is, it's hard to say no to Ricardo when he's saying about loved ones and that kind of thing. He's saying, mm. um, like, you can, the people know his parents based on Drive to Survive Series 1. And the line that's, that stood out to me from that is that his mum said, um, all I ever do is pray for a safe race. And, they uh, living in fear based on their son's career. I didn't want that to rhyme. Unfortunately, it did. And it makes me come across as a callous idiot. But no, um, like they're living in basically watching this. They're not there because of COVID. They mm. can't be there to hold their children in a medical center if need be. They're particularly Ricardo. They're on the other side of the world for the majority of the Grand Prix. And you can really understand that side of it. And I think we're not in a position as racing drivers to see it from that perspective or familial to racing drivers. But I think everything I think else the, also said comes into it. I think it's the, the kind of fear being visualized. It's kind of, that's what everyone's nightmare scenario is really. Mm. And racing drivers kind of put that to one side and put their family's worries to 
one side really when they when they go racing and then when kind of when it gets shown that that is what can happen then you know i think that's what kind of brings it home but it's important i think to bring it home a so f1 never gets complacent about safety because yeah. you know kind of something like this is just completely you know revitalized if it even did need revitalizing you know no one's criticizing the halo julian palmer has done uh, a column for bbc in a video for f1 tv where you know part of it was saying you know he was against the halo when it first came in yeah they and, all were, you know, basically he's, he's so so glad that it's that it's there now um and you know it kind of it shows everyone what the worst that can happen is and why kind of we do need to be you know continually thinking about safety above everything else above you know the quality of racing you know above the visual you know what cars look like it's you know and i think that to me is why it is so important that they've done it but as you said it's impossible for us to get in the mindset of drivers you know and that's that is what they kind of go out and drive about every day and i think most of them find it easier not to think about what can what can happen i think yeah there's one thing i'd like to touch on as well that um most people listening to this and you guys will have heard but it's just something that is a lovely sort of close on a lot of this. And that is um, what um, Jules Bianchi's mother um, text French TV to say, which was um, because of the halo, because of all the um, impact and innovation and reaction to Jules passing, in, well, killing in Suzuka 2014 to when he passed away in the hospital in 2015 um, has saved a life here hands down flat out and i th yeah that is something that i think is needs to be remembered is that yeah we have saved a life here and that's fantastic yeah i, I completely agree and yeah so it feels a bit callous to go straight from this to a quiz. I don't feel like I can be too excited about it, which is a shame because I was excited about it. But we're going to finish with a quiz, a Bahrain 2 quiz. Between Nigel and Freddie, grudge match after it's been spiky for the whole episode. Been <laughs> skirmishes breaking out all over the shop. But now we come to the big decider, the quiz. Freddie's getting ready. He had a heartbreak last week when he threw away a 5-1 lead since the first like four quizzes where I kind of did okay I've not really done anything well mm. that's not just on the podcast that's in my whole life wow Nigel any... <laughs> well that took a turn didn't it uh... yeah I was going to say Nigel any kind of trash talking response to that but not really I did it to myself I just want <laughs> yeah. the word heated debate in the title of this uh, video and podcast that we're doing. Yeah, yeah it was a match. hot, spicy debate. <laughs> Have you so, found the file yet, Adam? Do we need to stop ad-libbing? Oh, I got it up even before I made the link um, oh. ahead of time. So, first question. Excluding Hulkenberg and Vettel, who are both on the grid this season, who was the last German to make their debut in F1? Freddie. Yes. Andre Lotterer. Yes. What an answer. 
That is a fantastic. Oh. That is a fantastic answer. Oh, I, I, I actually, to be fair, Nigel, you can get the other nine. <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> so it's one nil to Freddie. He qualified a second ahead of Marcus Ericsson. It's one of my favourite random F1 performances, and I'm, an, and I'm a Lotter fan. Mm. Well, so good looking. Happy, happy, happy <laughs> days for Freddie. Question two: What element has the symbol BA56? British Airways. <laughs> Oh, yes. That famous fixture of the periodic table, British Airways. <laughs> so, Element. So it's not been created. Um, no. Oh, no. It's a, yeah, it's a solid... I'm just after my biomed flat, mate. It, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't named after Bahrain. But, no. And I'm glad yeah. I did this one because there's no AB or AD. Which... Barium. Baron. That is correct. Well done. Barium. Yes. Barium. I was trying PCSC to think of um, Alpine stars or something. <laughs> Didn't even do triple science. I didn't either. Oh right. <laughs> Why? Um, yeah. The, the the clue I had was um, the first part of the word shows its name with an F one team that graced the grid from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and five. But we didn't need the clue. Nigel came up clutch. We had two very good answers so far. Um, question oh, three. Yes. Yes. Benetton. <laughs> Benetton. What? Yeah. Uh, who drew yeah. Fernando Alonso's fury in 2012 as he offered the famous sentence, all the time you have to leave the space? Nigel. Oh, yes, Nigel. Yeah. It was uh, the 2016 Formula One world champion, Nico Rosberg. It was. Yeah, it was Nick, Nick O. Rosberg. Uh, Nigel takes a 2 1 lead. This is the question I had put in before I realised that Lewis wasn't racing this weekend, and I've not changed it. So, question four. Lewis Hamilton had a tough weekend at Sackett in 2008 after winning the opener in Melbourne. Where did he finish? Freddie. Yep. Eight. New. Nigel. Uh, Eleventh. No. Freddie. DNF. He crashed into the back of Fernando Alonso. No. He did crash in practice, though. He did. But, yeah. uh, Nigel, tenth. And into the back of Fernando uh, Alonso in the race. Yeah, you can, see where, can see where this question's going to go. Freddy. <laughs> 14. <laughs> no, but getting closer. 15. No, but the wrong way. 13th. There we go. Hooray. Two all. Freddy evens it up. Is that 13 points? First batch of questions. Yes. Um, oh. Question five it is two all. It's extremely tense. Who was the last Japanese driver to finish in the top five of F2 slash GP2? Uh, Nigel. Takuma yes, Sato. No. Freddie. Mm. Freddie. Nobuhari Matsushita? No, he finished in the top six twice. Ah. But not, crucially. In the top five? <laughs> not in the top five, no. That's the question. Freddie. Uh, specifies. Yes, Freddie. Kamui Kobayashi? Nope. I thought oh, it would be him. But no, he had a pretty shoddy junior career, actually. I don't know why I said yeah. that. He was given an, well, he was given, he was given an F1 lifeline, basically. He was. So he, maybe that's what happened with eight, like eight kills. He made the most of it. He was one of my favourite drivers, actually. Mm. Or kind of like non-actually non actually like followed. But every weekend, I rocked up and I thought, oh, I can move combo actually on the grid. That's nice. What years are we talking, Adam, for this driver? Yeah, let's go with that. Roughly. Um... Be awful, like 2006, I think. Roughly, 
Well, it, it took me a while to click back through the <laughs> Wikipedia pages to find it. Oh, it took know. me long, longer than it has so far. Well, GPT's so already started in 2005, hasn't it? Already? So, yeah, GPT started in 2005. Between 2005 and 2019. And it's not the last few years. We've only had Machu's sheet. To... Yeah, Machu's sheet to Makina. Yeah, there was a been. big gap without um, any Japanese F, uh, F2 drivers. Nigel, I'm just going to say Yamamoto, even though it's not. No, no it's not. No. Did race for Spike? Did this drop? Oh, so did they get Freddy, into Freddy, 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 Freddy. Uh, Kazuki Nakajima. Yeah. Kazuki Nakajima. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. 2007. I worried because I, I buzzed my name quite a few times. You're going to think I was guessing me. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that was playing, a big danger. If you were playing hardball, like on catchphrase, then maybe. Mm. But... Yeah, it was Tim O'Glock won that season. Lucas Degrassi was second. And... Oh, 07. Yeah. Was 2007. Yeah. So Freddie takes a 3 2 lead as we go into question. 32 lead. Six. Wow. How many corners did the 2010 Bahrain Endurance Circuit have? Oh. Ah, Freddie. And, and yeah, this is going to be a closest wins. You can have a guess each and then you can have a chance to stick or twist for a second. <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. Um, 21. <laughs> Oh, that was my answer. Yeah, oh, well, I, go. I went to twenty-one because it's a stick or twist. It's like, oh, blackjack. I'm gonna have to go twenty-two. Right now, you've heard that, Freddie. Do you want to change or not? I want to. I want to stay. I want to stick. I want to stay as well. Stay on twenty-one 21. and twenty-two. Yeah, it's twenty-one and a half, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe it? No, it's twenty-four. Ah, oh, oh. And take it two. Three all. I can't, even tight, I can't even picture the layout. It was just so... It's disgusting, isn't it? It is an it endurance. And then comes back. Um, it goes out there and then comes back. <laughs> That's one of the worst much... races ever, I think. Really it was nice for Alonso. Alonso well, yeah. There's lots of good pictures of it. Hmm. But I couldn't be bothered to go through... <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to go through about 10 or 15 guesses of numbers around... 20 to 30 so uh, no it's a good idea go. yeah good idea in f1 f1 what why in f1 how many drivers of the current grid have finished on the oh yeah i remember how many drivers of the current grid have finished on the podium at the bahrain grand prix in f1 ah uh, does that include hamilton <laughs> mm, yeah okay good yes, question um, this is for half and then there's a follow-up that's worth another half Nigel, seven. That is correct. Yeah. So, the other half point, which you get first shot at, is can you name them? If you get five or more, yes. then you get the other half point. No, it's Freddie. Oh. Cause, no, sorry, it's Nigel, because Nigel got the point. Yeah. Nigel got the original half point. Oh, I only have to name go? five as well. How, how brilliant is that? Because I don't, I don't know all seven. So, it's Hamilton. Hamilton. Who's on Hamilton the podium, has, has been on the podium at Bahrain. Max Verstappen has been on the podium in Bahrain. Uh, Alexander Albon has been yeah. on the podium mm. in Bahrain. Perez has been on the podium in Bahrain. Yeah. And so is Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. Um, I've, re so I've realised an oversight. You've forgotten, the, you've forgotten to add the two from this weekend. Forgotten to add the two from this weekend. <laughs> yeah, because when he said seven, I'd already counted eight. 
Um, wow. Yeah. Um, okay, you missed out Stubby. Grosjean and Vettel. Um, yeah, I was about to say them, Freddie. Um, yeah, but you've missed oh, them out. Awesome. I got in. Um, you still get the points. It's fine. I'm trying. Well, to I've named them. five, and you're, you you can only name four. So yeah, I, I, I oh, think what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna cancel the points for that one because oh what I messed up? Well, because you got it wrong. No, like, I got your well, question right. There's another driver. Right. Yeah, no, but my my answer was yeah. I, I can't remember ninth, who you said. Who's the ninth driver? Okay, so we've said Hamilton, <laughs> Bottas. No, I think it's Vettel, Grosjean. Have you said Raikkonen? Yeah, Raikkonen. So Hamilton, Bottas, Stappen, Albon, Perez. No, there's nine. Vettel, Grosjean, Raikkonen. Because Albon and um, Verstappen, it was their first time on the podium. Um, Ricardo. Hasn't. No, um, Red Bull's never Ricardo had a podium. Not. Maybe yeah. I make this the point. Whoever, whoever can think of the ninth driver can get. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, you got the question wrong. It just so happened that I had as well. I got your question right. He got your no, question you didn't. right. <laughs> you got my at question wrong. At the time, wrong. it was right. No, because at the time I asked your it, it question's wrong. wrong. Your question's wrong. Your question's wrong, Adam. You can't. How many drivers of the current grid? You can't. You, that well, can't we're be wrong. Too much storage space here. Quick. My answer yeah, was, we are. My we're going to have to cut wrong. all of this. Can either of you get it? In five, four, three. Bottas. You said Bottas. Oh. One. <laughs> it was Charles Leclerc. Of oh, course. Yeah. I wouldn't have got Freddy's that. Voice went very high pitched. It went there. so high. I wouldn't have got that. Why would so, I have got that? Oh my goodness. Neither if you get the point for that that's, because that's a joke. I messed up. Well, it's not. Because you got the question wrong. It just so happened that I got it wrong in the same way that you had. Um, so it's a thrill going on to question. So why didn't I get the point? Well, because you didn't make a guess. Um, <laughs> which Star Wars theme, uh, film oh. featured a different jewel in the desert with the protagonist, exca- protagonist escaping the planet Jakku on board the Millennium Falcon? Freddy. Yes, Freddy. Rise of Skywalker. No, it did. Thingy guy returns that one. The on Jedi Jackie. returns. Force yeah. Awakens, Freddy. The Force Awakens. Oh. Yes, Freddy. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Didn't they go that's back that's to Jakku in Rise of Skywalker, and that was where Chewbacca got killed in a duel True. in the desert? No, that's a different planet. Of course, it's Chewbacca then. Different, different deserty planet. But okay. that doesn't mean Freddy has taken the lead. Taking a 4-3 lead. Ooh. Going in. I thought I already had a lead. <laughs> According to forebears.io, what is the most popular surname? Hamilton, Russell or Norris? Freddie. Nigel. I heard Freddie first. Russell. Yes, that is correct. I would have guessed Hamilton anyway. So. 1,207th most popular surname in the world. Ah. I thought and it was 986, but there they are. Each to their own. So that means Freddy's won. Hold on, Freddy. As we go on to question 10. <laughs> question 10 is where it all kicks off, like the Sakir Grand Prix. Yes. After the championships rounded up. Um, who, obviously Mazepin will be M-A-Z next year in his driver abbreviation. Who was the last driver to have Z in their driver abbreviation? And there are actually two from this season. There were two in the same season that have Z in. This so, season? 
No, no from, this season this, is for them. Yeah, from from there were two that had Z in their name in the same oh, season. So Nigel. Either of them. I had Nigel first. Verts. No. Oh yeah, what I did I say Verts? Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Freddie. Verts. No, ignore me. I got it wrong. Oh, Nigel. Well, no, yeah, I know so it is in my mind, but I'm trying to quite get there. It's Minardi, it's, it's isn't it? Yeah. It's Zonta. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I it was also An- Antonio, Antonio Pizzonia, mm. who actually had it later than Zonta, but I knew neither of you were going to get it. And yeah, Williams, 2004, isn't it? So, that means it's 5-4 in Freddie's favour <laughs> at the end of the quiz. <laughs> Leotzi, I was going and that is it for a bumper edition of the Winging It F1 podcast where there's been a lot of news. There's been most news we've had for quite a while and I've greatly enjoyed it and I'm looking ahead to a brilliant Sakir Grand Prix. So I do hope you have enjoyed listening. If you do, then drop us a line on Twitter. Uh, we're at Winging It F1. I hope. I've not read that out in a while. But we are. yeah, give us a line or, you know, See you then. Bye-bye.